This is Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. It's powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. To get an extended 30-day trial, visit shopify.com slash masters. Hey, entrepreneurs, my name is Felix, and I'm the host of the Shopify Masters podcast. Each week, we put out podcast interviews with successful e-commerce entrepreneurs or experts to give you inspiration, motivation, and actionable tips to increase your traffic and sales so your store can generate the sales you need to live the life you want. On the last episode, Doug Barber from Manel.com explains how he built a completely digital nomad business. In this episode, I talked to an entrepreneur that uses lead magnets to build a seven-figure business. In this episode, you'll learn how to turn your passion into a business, how and why you should work backwards when working towards a goal, and how to know what kind of lead magnets to create and how to promote them using Facebook. Today, I'm joined by Tanya Dalton from inkwellpress.com. It's I-N-K-W-E-L-L-P-R-E-S-S.com. Inkwell Press designs beautiful organizational products to help you find peace and harmony through productivity. And we started in 2014 in base of Asheville, North Carolina. Welcome, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, excited to have you on. So um, tell us a little bit more about your store and what are some of the most popular products that you sell? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, our flagship product really is our weekly planner. Everything that we design and create is really uh, about our mission, which is to empower women through organizational products. So everything we design, everything that we create has to answer that calling of, of that mission statement. So we create weekly planners, which help people get organized on a daily basis, which includes things like goal setting and setting priorities and all of those things. We also offer meal planners, fitness planners, organizational notepads to help you organize everything from your grocery shopping to your daily to-do list um, and a plethora of other object, or other uh, items mm-hmm. uh, designed to help you feel a little bit more organized and streamlined in your day. And how did you come up with this uh, this mission? Like, uh, did, did you have a background in creating planners? Like, how did you decide this was the mission that you wanted to create a company, create products around? That's a great question. Um, to be honest with you, our journey to becoming Equal Press was not uh, one that we started with. I actually started my first business back in 2008, uh, kind of like a little side business, almost like a hobby, while my husband was traveling the world uh, doing marketing for a, a bigger company. And uh, that business started to grow. And by 2010, I was able to allow my husband to quit working in corporate America and come work with me at my job that I was working then. And we were doing wholesale jewelry, uh, just to let you know. Um, And in that time, uh, I found that while I really was passionate about uh, working and uh, business, I really wasn't passionate about the jewelry part of it. So around, I'd say the fall of 2013, I was kind of feeling like I was losing that spark and that passion. And my husband was feeling the same way. So we sat down and we talked about what we wanted to do. And we sat and we thought and we brainstormed about what were the things I was really passionate about. And one of the things I was doing a lot at the time was I was mentoring and coaching women business owners and helping them figure out ways that they could get organized and get their businesses off the ground. And I absolutely love that. So I was really passionate about empowering others. uh, And I found that a lot of them were struggling with organization and finding products that really help them do the work they needed to do quickly and easily and still being beautiful. 
So we sat and thought, and we figured out that I'm passionate about teaching. I'm a former teacher. I'm passionate about organizing, and I'm passionate about empowering others. So in taking those three passions, we thought about what we could possibly create that would fulfill those passions, and we came up with the idea of Inkwell Press. So not only do we design organizational products, but education is a very key component for what we do. We don't just sell you a planner and say, okay, see you in a year. Mm -hmm. We send you set up videos to help you walk through and figure out how you want to get organized, creating organizational systems for yourself, how to use the planner in the best way that works for you. Because I truly believe that there's no one product that fits for everyone. Everyone plans and organizes in their own way because everyone has their own priorities and their own goals. Uh, So that really, that aspect of it really excited me. So we took those three things, those three passions, and we turned it into Inkwell Press. Mm -hmm. So in, let's see, I guess it was the spring of 2014, my husband and I closed our business that we had, and we decided, we knew that we were going to have to kind of buckle up, uh, tighten up our our bank accounts a little bit, Mm -hmm. and we were going to really jump in and make Inkwell Press a reality. Mm -hmm. So when we launched later on that year, we didn't know, you know, at that point, were we going to have something that was going to really take off or was it going to be one of those things that, wow, this was, we spent all of our money and time and effort into this and this is our sole income. Uh, and luckily for us, it really took off because I think because it is so deeply steeped in my passions that um, we love what we do and it really excites us. So we were able to take that idea and just run with it. And we've been growing ever since. That's that's an awesome story. And I want to stay on this topic of passion because it, it's an, an important, um, I guess, milestone or important uh, point that a lot of entrepreneurs reach where they ask themselves, am I passionate about this? You know, ideally before they start their business, but sometimes in the middle of it, like you had experience with your wholesale jewelry business. So talk to us about this uh, moment or these, I guess, I'm sure it's not just one moment, but how did you realize that you weren't passionate about what you're doing before and enough to the, at the point where you were thinking about not, not even pivoting the business, but just completely starting a new one. Like, what was that? What was it going on in your head when you realized that you weren't passionate about what you were already doing? That's a great question. <laughs> You're right. It's a culmination of a lot of of kind of epiphanies that you get to where you feel like you're you're moving forward and the business is doing well. But truly, I'm a firm believer that there is a lot more to life than making money. Uh, happiness is a really big factor uh, in the quality of life. And I was just finding that in our everyday dealings with our business, there were certain things that really did excite us. We really enjoyed interacting with our customers. And I really enjoyed the coaching uh, of other business owners. And we really enjoyed doing things like designing our catalogs and our uh, coupons and the advertisements we were doing. And so I think there was probably several moments in the fall of 2013 where we just kind of would look at each other and say, are are you really happy with with what we're doing? I I know we're making a living at this. I know that this is working, but is it really working to push us to our our goal of being really, really happy with our lives? Um, And it's, I have to be honest at times that can be a really, really dark thing because it's scary. It is very scary to think about taking something that you feel 
I don't know how to put this, but um, like it's like a, your safety net, right? Mm-hmm. That I, I know I have an income coming in. I know I can pay my mortgage. I know that doing this job allows me to do these things. But if I'm not happy, is that is that worth it? You know, is there more to life? And so you really have to kind of take away that safety net. And I think there are a lot of entrepreneurs who, uh, you know, are working still full-time jobs and thinking about, oh, do I want to follow a passion that I have? Is there, you know, is there more out there? Can I take this hobby and really turn it into a career? And I think making that jump is really scary. And um, quite honestly, my advice on that is if you're going to go for it, go for it. You live once, give it a try, you know, because you won't regret that you tried. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, um, this, I guess, realization that you came across where you thought that you, you just felt like you weren't going to be happy or you could be happier doing something else. Were you ever worried that you might move on to something else and it just wasn't successful and it just, you couldn't find that same success that you found before and you could become less happy because you don't have that kind of successful business or that success in what you already had previously? Did you ever, did that thought ever come across your mind that maybe this could not only just bring me back to, I guess, a default state, but actually make me feel worse than I do currently? <laughs> yes, daily. <laughs> you know, yeah. while we were making this decision, that was the underlying fear. You know, the the thought of, is this really going to make me happy? Or am I going to be able to feed my children? Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. my husband and I, this is our sole income. We have two kids, we have a mortgage, we've got a dog, we've got all those things. So it's scary. And to say that there was worry, I don't even know if that word encompasses kind of how it Mm -hmm. feels, but you know, to be frank with you, the moment we really made the decision and we pulled the trigger and said, all right, that's it. We're doing it. I almost felt like a weight was lifted off of Mm -hmm. me because I felt like this is what I'm wanting to do. And, and I immediately began to feel much happier. Now that said, you know, we decided that we were going to design planners and design organizational products. We had no graphic design background. So I have an English degree. My husband has a journalism degree and an MBA. Uh, We had no graphic design experience. So there were times where we thought, are we insane that we think we're Mm going to become graphic designers? We sat down, and I don't know if you're familiar with lynda.com, but the Mm -hmm. online tutorials, that's what we did for a, a month straight. We sat down and we learned how to use the graphic design programs. And every day we looked at each other and said, are we crazy? And some days we said, yeah, I think we might be. But you know what? We're happier. And Mm -hmm. truly, at the end of the day, that is the measurement of success. If you are happy at the end of your day and you're doing what you love, that's all anyone can ever ask for. Mm, Makes sense. So I think um, the listeners out there might not be in the same situation as you where they have a business and they're looking to transition. But I think what might be a more common situation is that they have a day job that they already Mm -hmm. like. They have a lifestyle that they already like. And now they're about to jump into something that and basically take away that safety net, like you said. Talk to us about the kind of thought process or decision making process that went into that too. Like, was it just like what kind of questions did you ask yourself? Uh, it sounds like you know generally you're just finding out, trying to find out if you would be happy making this mm-hmm. transition. But were there specific questions, specific things that you looked at to really evaluate if it would be worth it to give up something that you already had that was already successful to basically go into the unknown? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
And obviously I am a planner person, right? (laughs) Like I like to organize. So this is not something that we just made the decision on and we just jumped in the next day. Um, By any means that did not happen. Uh, Really what we did is we sat down and we took a look at things, especially like finances. You know, how are we going to make this work? What do we need to do to bank up money to make sure that for the six months where we knew we weren't going to have any income while we were getting everything geared up, ready to launch, if we were going to be able to survive and whether we're going to be able to eat and all those little things, little things, right? Um, So that was a big part of it. Uh, But to be honest with you, I had kind of, we had started laying the groundwork for this, I don't know, years ago, because when my husband and I first got married, we both worked. I was a teacher and he was uh, working at an advertising agency and we lived off one income and we saved up our money. So we kind of already had the mindset of always living off of one income or being able to kind of scrimp and save and still live a, a happy lifestyle without spending a lot of money. When he went to MBA school, we lived off my teacher salary very happily. Uh, so I feel like we were already kind of primed for that. Mm. So one of the things that we did is we went down to being a one-car family, uh, which has its own challenges, but it, we really were able to make it work. Uh, and we were able to save money on things like car payments and uh, you know insurance and things like that. And there were all these different little ways that we were able to kind of bank up and make it possible for us to feel comfortable that we had a little bit of a nest egg to be able to live for those six months or so that we knew we absolutely were not going to have any income. So there was a lot of planning on that front for sure. And then uh, a lot of it was while we were still, you know, we made the decision that we were going to be closing up our jewelry business and opening up something new. We had a little period of transition where those overlapped slightly so that we could go ahead and start working and doing a few things to prepare the new business. So it wasn't just an immediate cutoff of one day we're working one, you know, one business and the following day, something else. There was a little bit of overlap and we phased out the first business. So I would say that if you have people who are listeners who currently work at a full-time job, start, you know, making plans for how you can save up the money so that you can, you know, take a couple of months or six months or a year, if possible, to have an income and to have a little bit of money so you do feel confident that you can survive. Because I think that's really an important thing. Um, and then really start laying out, I'm a, I'm a really big advocate of goal setting, Let, setting out your goals and then making little mini goals for yourself, almost like little sprints to get to that big goal. Um, little kind of mini goals to help you get to where you want to be. So if you're wanting to quit your full-time job and start a business on Shopify, um, what I'd say is start with that end result in mind and set, set a date for yourself and work backwards to figure out what things you need to put in place in order to make that happen. Mm, makes sense. Yeah, definitely want to talk a little more about your goal setting process. But before we get there, I wanted to talk about the aspect of, you know, saving money, making sure you have some kind of safety net when you decide to make the jump. Because it's not just so much about paying your bills and making sure you still have a house to live in, but it also just limits the stress and the worry when you have quit your job so that you don't always worry about how can I make some money, how can I make some money before I run out of money. So you can actually focus more on the long-term goals of growing the business. So I think that's an important point. It's not just about paying the bills, but then it's a mental thing too, knowing that you don't have to stress so much about it, about how you're going to you know feed the or feed your family the next day or not. 
Um, so I want to talk about the, the uh, I guess, the exercise that you went through to ultimately figure out what you're passionate about. What was this like? Like, you, it just sounded like you, you know, kind of sat down and went through a bunch of maybe not, not formally, but you had some questions that you asked yourself to determine what the passion was. And then you decided to create a business or, and products around it. But like, how, how did you first decide uh, or what was the exercise you went through to, to come up with uh, what it was that you were passionate about? With, this goes right back into my goal setting. <laughs> We're really goal setting focused at Inkwell mm-hmm. Press. I set the goal that I wanted to figure out what I was passionate about. And I really believe that the first step anytime that you do goal setting is to start with reflection and really thinking about things that have happened in the past, even those painful things that are sometimes hard to think about, sitting and thinking about those things, thinking about the hard things, the good things, the happy things, um, and the things you really enjoy when you're moving forward towards a goal. So when I was sitting down and, you know, I'm lucky that I am able to work side by side with my husband every day. So we, you know, work really well together, supporting one another. So what we did is we sat down together and we did some serious reflection. And when you're doing serious reflection, it's not, you know, it's not a cakewalk. I'm going to be honest. Some of it is really painful (laughs) to look at and think about what didn't go well, what things, you know, did we, we really feel like we failed at and those kinds of things. And then we started thinking about, okay, so these are the things we don't want to do. So we know, you know, we start making a list. These are the things that we didn't like that didn't make us happy. What are the things that did make us happy? What are the things that we felt really brought us a lot of joy and happiness? And again, it's really not all about money. It's really about your personal satisfaction in completing things or, you know, accomplishing things. So when we did, what we did is we sat down and we literally made a list. These are the things we don't like about our current job. These are the things that I really do like. And then we thought about things that were not job related at all. What are the things that we really, you know, find a lot of excitement doing as hobbies? And, um, you know, what are the things that if I have 10 minutes on a Saturday and I can choose to do anything, what are those things? So uh, in making this list, obviously you end up with a really long list, you start crossing things off and going through and kind of prioritizing and you'll start to see a theme in there. I really think that one of the exercises that we did that worked really well is we both sat down for an hour each day for a week solid and we both sat down separately and we wrote down just kind of free form thinking, thinking about the reflection that we had done and then moving forward and coming up with words and ideas and thoughts about what made us happy. And you really start to see a theme when you're writing things down. That's the beauty of putting pen to paper is that you start to see these patterns and themes. And I was seeing over and over again, um, you know, at this point I hadn't, I hadn't taught in a classroom for several years, but teaching and educating and coaching were words that kept coming up in my writing. So I knew that that was an important part of things, you know, of, of uh, what I wanted to do. And words like, I really enjoy organizing. I really enjoyed teaching people how to streamline their businesses. Um, I am, I love operations. I can talk about operations in a business all day long because that really excites me. So operations, that fits under organization. So I started to see these, these ideas that kept coming up again and again and again. So we sat down. And I really do think it helps to have a sounding board so that, you know, whether it's a friend or a colleague or, you know, a coach to sit with you and help you figure out what are these patterns you're seeing. And then you start to take those patterns and putting them together to figure out, okay, these are the these are the main things that I'm really feeling passionate about. How can I take these things 
together and make it into something amazing that's really going to make me happy on a daily basis. Mm. And that's pretty much what we did. Yeah, so how did you put this all together? Because I think um, a lot of listeners out there might have an idea for what they're passionate about yet, but then they're stuck in this phase where, okay, now I know that what I'm passionate about, how do I actually create a business out of it? How do I actually create products? How do I figure out what products I should should create or should sell uh, based around my passion? So tell us about that process. Like how did you go from identifying these were the, you know, five or 10 different things that you love, that you're passionate about, into actually creating a business around it? Well, I think what you really is always a good idea to start with is starting with, honestly, a brain dump. Just sitting down and writing out Like once you've decided, you know, I want to do an organizational company, what would that look like? So I sat down and I wrote out a chart because, again, I'm a big organizer. I did a chart of the different things that um, I thought would really help me work and to streamline my life would make things a lot easier for me. So I, I came up with a whole list and then I started dividing the list up and I had things that were notepads and things that were books and things that were, uh, you know, you know, other objects, dry erase boards or, you know, all different kinds of things. And I started grouping them. And then you have to look because obviously you can't start your business making every single project or every single product that you thought of. So you start going through and figuring out, okay, am I seeing things again, looking for patterns? Uh, So then once I kind of had a shorter, long, long list of products that I thought would be great to offer, then you start working backwards. And this again, falls into that goal setting that I talk about. I set a goal for myself. Here's the deadline for when I need to get this done. And then I back it up and I figure out, okay, here are the four main steps I need to get done in order to reach this goal. And then I set mini deadlines for each of those mini goals. Does that make sense? It does. So if I want to, if I want to launch in November and I know I've got these four big things that need to be done, I know that the first thing has to be done by February. Then the next one has to be done by March because maybe it's something I can get done faster. So it's not always that your mini goals or your little mini milestones have the same, you know, space between them. They're not always like two months apart. Some of your mini goals might take you two weeks. Some of them might take you three months. It kind of depends. So you really look at it and figure out what the steps are and then you plug those steps in. And to me, the key is writing things down because research shows that if you're writing down your goals And the things that you really want to accomplish and you're looking at those on a daily basis, it really pushes you to get these done. And you're really going to be more successful. And when you say running things down, are you literally meaning pen to paper or if people type things out, is that the same thing? Or do you think that there's actually something to writing it down with your pen and paper? Pen and paper, to be honest with you, a lot of brain research has come out. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm a former teacher, so I know a lot about brain research. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of brain research that has come out recently is showing that the actual act of writing and your hand moving, that kinesthetic motion of your hand moving, actually helps ingrain that a little bit deeper in the synapses of your brain. So it stays with you longer than just writing it down on a tablet. And to me, having a dedicated item, whether it's a planner or a journal or whatever it is that is for this one goal really helps you focus because the problem with writing it on your computer or writing it on your phone is that your phone has Facebook on it Mm -hmm. and it's got uh, texts coming in from your friends and it's got photographs and it's got all these other things. So when you're on that, you're not solely focused on that one idea. 
And when you have something that's dedicated to, you know, planning or your goal or whatever it is, every time that you're in there, your brain is fully engaged in that one priority and that one focus. So it really helps you to hone in and get your thoughts a little more succinct when you are using something that is dedicated for that very purpose. Mm, makes sense. So one thing you, you talked about with your goal setting process that I, that I really like to and that I try to do myself is to work backwards. Like you're saying, break the goals down and figure out how to, uh, what needs to be done to achieve the big goal and then break that down. Keep on breaking it down. But then how do you decide, how do you yourself, and this is something that I struggled with for a long time, was determining when you've broken the goals down enough. Because I think sometimes for me and I think for a lot of other listeners and other entrepreneurs, is that we don't break it down enough and we still, at the end of the day, we still have some gigantic goal that's just looming over our heads and becomes more of a, uh, a weight than a, you know, a goal essentially. So how do you know when you've broken things down enough? Yeah, the problem with big goals is that they are overwhelming and scary. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. When you have something that's really big, you think, I don't even want to start because it's kind of frightening. So when you take it and you really make it bite size where you look at it and you think, oh, I could do that, it makes it so much more achievable uh, and you're really going to be able to accomplish it. So what I like to do is I like to break your goals down. um, And even really in our planner, we set yearly goals. We have a section for breaking them down quarterly. Each month we have monthly goal setting. And then there's even a daily habit tracker to keep you on track for each day. So I'm a firm believer in breaking it down as far as you really feel comfortable. Um, Some people feel more comfortable with a little bit smaller goals than their big goal. Some people really want it broken down to tiny little bite-sized pieces. And there's really no right or wrong way to do it. It's really about what works best for you and what's really going to help encourage you and push Mm -hmm. you to keep working each day towards those goals. Because if the goals are important to you, uh, you have to treat them like a priority. It's something that you work on every day to get to those goals. Um, you can't say you don't have time because it's a priority. If, if that, if, you know, if this is your goal, then it really is needs to be treated as a priority. So, um, I really think that if you look at your mini goals, so I say a lot of times four steps is a good amount. Um, but sometimes those four steps need to be broken down into four more steps. And then even those can be broken down further. Um, so it really is kind of about comfort level. Like when you look at those goals, do they scare you? Your mm-hmm. big goal should scare you a little bit because your big goal should be big. But when you're breaking it down and making it into bite-sized pieces, those little goals should be something that you think, okay, I can, I can do that. I can totally accomplish that because half of it is having the mindset to get started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think ideally what you're saying is you know, break the goals down and just tackle one piece at a time. But I think that there, me definitely included, and I think a lot of listeners out there too, we just have this to-do list that has an item or two items on there that just hang around forever that we never get to, that we always procrastinate on and never, never, you know, decide to tackle it. What do you suggest for those situations when you have a goal and you've broken it down, or maybe it's just one goal that's small enough that doesn't need to be broken down, that you just never get to, you never get to, to you never get to do it not because you don't have the time but you just never i guess find your t- find your way towards mm-hmm. it like what are your thoughts on that like, how do you <laughs> you come you- up with excuses to kind yeah, of push exactly. it to the side right yeah everyone has that that is not you know unique to you or to, to any of the listeners everyone has little things that kind of nag them at the, the back of their head oh i need to work on this 
Um, I really think that if you carve out specific time for accomplishing that, um, you know, if you say, okay, I'm taking 30 minutes every day and I'm going to hold myself accountable for spending 30 minutes a day working on this or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is you feel like you could do. And you say, I call it, (laughs) to be honest with you, I call it putting myself in jail. Mm. And sometimes I have to put myself in jail. Like if I'm learning a new program and I think, you know what, this would be so much easier to do on the old program. What I do is I say, nope, I'm going to put myself in jail. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make myself work on this every day for the next, you know, 15 days or whatever it is. And by the end of that time, I'm going to feel much more confident. So I'll say, okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to allot 30 minutes. And I will write that down in my planner, 30 minutes to work on this. And I will write it every single day that I'm going to spend 30 minutes doing it. Um, And I think if you carve out that time, so it's kind of right there in your face each day, it really makes it so you're like, okay, I I can give it, you know, 10 minutes or 20 minutes or however much time you can, you can um, allot to that, to that goal. Does that make sense? It does. And I think um, one thing I've heard too, I think is similar to what you're saying is to don't overcommit yourself to it as well. You know, like you're saying, if it's 10 minutes, as if it's five minutes, the idea is just to get started because if it's just looming there, it becomes bigger and bigger over time that you just never want to even approach it because you think that once you start, you have this gigantic thing that would take you weeks to do. But if you just commit yourself to smaller and smaller chunks and just get started, that's really the best way to do it. Like figure out what's the best way to just get yourself to get started. And I think that's the biggest aspect of it. This is a similar um, thing I've heard too about people that want to go to the gym. Don't think about, man, I got to go there and spend an hour there. I got to go there and run for like, you know, two miles. Don't think about like that. Just think about, I got to get to the gym and don't think so much more about this big looming project in front of you. Think about how do I just get started? That's, that's exactly right. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, um, overwhelm is not having too much to do. It's not knowing where to start. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is really just making that first step that really gets you over that hump. And then it becomes so much easier. Um, I mean, I can give you, speaking of the gym, I can give you a great example of how that worked for me. I really wanted to start working out and doing Pilates on a regular basis. um, And I kept pushing it off. It was one of those things on my to-do list. I kept pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. And uh, finally, I said to my husband, listen, I I can't seem to to make this appointment to go in to, to do this training for Pilates. I need you just to take this from me. And I need you by the end of this week to make me the appointment. And my husband said, great, I'll do it. By the end of that week, he made me the appointment. I knew if I had an appointment to go in to do this Pilates training that I would go. But for some reason, getting over that hump of, you know, uh, making the appointment, I couldn't seem to get past it. Mm-hmm. Once I had the appointment, I was good to go. And now, now I'm going to work out several times a week and I'm so much nice. happier. So there's nothing wrong with asking someone to push, mm-hmm. push me, make me do this, hold me accountable. I really think that accountability partners, which is why I think coaching works fabulously, having someone who's going to ask you those pointed questions that sometimes feel uncomfortable. Did you do this this week? Did you make sure that you got this done? Those questions, you know, if you have to answer no again and again to someone, eventually you're going to say, I've got to say, I've got to tell them yes at some point. So I I definitely believe accountability uh, partners or someone to, to help push you is 
is needed, you know, in types in types of situations like that. Yeah, I think uh, it's way easier to give yourself slack than to ask someone else to give you slack, yeah, especially when you exactly. feel bad about not by saying no every single time, like you're saying. It's one thing to disappoint yourself; it's another thing to disappoint someone else. For sure, definitely. Uh, so, one thing you were saying earlier that I um, that really resonated with me was that you set up videos for to teach people how to use your products, and this is done obviously you know, post sale. Why do you think this uh, this aspect is so important? Like, you know, because I think um, before before you answer, I think a lot of times uh, store owners think about great customer service as getting them the product, getting your customer the product on time. And if they have any problems, returns are, you know, free and exchanges are free and they'll deal with all that stuff. But you, uh, it sounds like you're going a step beyond that and not just making sure to get the product, but making sure they know how to use it well. So tell us about this, this, uh, I guess, this realization. Like, how did you know to do this? Um, well, okay. So first of all, I used to be a teacher. So educating other people really kind of lights my fire and gets, gets me going. Um, so I knew that I really wanted to make sure that when I gave people the tools that I gave them ideas for how they could make this work for them. So I knew from the beginning that that was really important to me. Um, and I completely agree with you. Good customer service is all of those things, having a good product, responding to customers on time, but there's a lot to be said for creating a community around your product, um, which is one of the things that we have really worked hard to do um, is to create conversations between us and our customers. And the first step in that is having set up videos for them to watch. So the very first setup video they get, they receive about a day after their planner ships out to them. And to be totally honest with you, the first video doesn't even necessarily show you the planner. We start by talking about figuring out your priorities and uh, doing an assessment of how you feel about uh, your goals and all of those things. And then the following week, we expand on that. And we don't even start talking about the planner till we get to the third video. So it's really not just about our products. It really is about our mission of empowering other people to feel confident and happy and successful with organization and how much that can really impact their day. Um, so, you know, we knew that we wanted to do that right from the very beginning because I felt like that was one of the things that was really lacking. I didn't see that anyone else was doing this uh, when I started doing that. Um, so there were lots of other planner companies out there, but they would say, here's your planner, enjoy using it. And they had great customer service, but they weren't really giving their customers the tools. So not only do we offer the uh, setup videos, which we have six setup videos that come with it. We do free education, uh, everything from, you know, getting your inbox to zero to productivity hacks and ideas for how you can uh, streamline your holiday planning or any of those things that kind of fit within the planner, but don't necessarily even use the planner. So it's really about putting forth that mission that I have um, of helping others to feel at the end of the day when their head hits the pillow, I want them to feel happy about what they got done instead of thinking about all the things that they didn't do or the things that went wrong, I'm really trying to help people focus on the good, the good things in their day and all of the things that they really did accomplish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we sometimes think that the more new content, new product we throw in the face of our customers, uh, the more value we give them. But I think what you're getting at is that sometimes, or not even sometimes, but I think a lot of the times the most valuable thing you can do is help them get more out of what they've already have, the content you've already given them, the product that you've already given them or that they've bought from you. Just because it's just so much, whenever you throw something new 
new at somebody, it just be- adds another thing to their to-do list. But if you help them tackle their to-do list, help them tackle the product or use the product that they've purchased from you, I think that goes a lot further and, you know, it takes away a lot of the, the guilt too, you know, especially if someone gets a planner or any product that requires their time, it requires their effort um, and not just, you know, like a t-shirt or something, but something that actually requires them to put effort into it. It's very important for you to help them get those quick wins, uh, which sounds like what you're trying to get at with the, with mm-hmm. the kind of post-sale video. So I'm, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, we're trying to create a relationship between us and our customers uh, because really we we have created some very fiercely loyal customers who when we do come out with new products, they're really excited about them because they know that I'm going to help them use it and I'm going to make sure that they feel confident when they're using it. Um, so I really think that that has made a difference in our return customers because we have customers who buy from us again and again and again uh, just knowing that that's part of you know what we do. So they they believe in me as much as I believe in them, which mm. is Beautiful. so so yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, so one thing that uh, you mentioned in the pre-interview notes about the uh, effective sales channels. Well, you mentioned two things. One's Facebook advertising, and the other's lead magnets. I want to talk about lead magnets first. So maybe for the for the audience that might not know about it, get, tell us uh, what what are lead magnets. Uh, basically, lead magnets are um, either free downloads or perhaps their e-courses or webinars that you offer for free uh, in exchange for, you know, getting their, their information. So then you can start marketing to them. So we do a lot of lead magnet, uh, lead magnets. Um, we do a lot of free downloads, you know, each month we offer a free download for your phone and for your desktop calendar. Uh, we do, um, one of our most successful lead magnets actually was an organizational challenge. We ran a four-week organizational challenge in May um, where people could sign up and then we walked through how to organize different areas of their home. And we had a daily email that went out. We had videos that went with it, giving them ideas uh, of how to organize and uh, ways to do it. And each activity was designed to take 30 minutes or less. So again, kind of taking into consideration that everybody's busy. Everyone has mm-hmm. a lot going on. Um, and with that lead magnet in particular, uh, we were hoping for, you know, maybe a couple thousand people to sign up. Our stretch goal was to have 5,000 people sign up and we ended up with 10,000 wow. emails, um, based off that organizational challenge. Uh, it, I'm not going to lie. It was a lot of work, but I don't do anything halfway. So I wasn't just going to like just send out emails. I wanted it to be really comprehensive and I wanted to really make a difference for people because that at the end of the day fits my mission. My mission is to help other people and help them feel empowered and organized. So uh, the thing about that lead magnet is it was a great uh, program that was free. So people really enjoyed it, but it really fulfilled my own personal mission statement of what I want the company to do. Mm. Yeah, 10,000 emails is, is, is like, uh, I mean, you can't ask for much better than that when it comes to uh, to lead magnets. So for, I think, anyone out there that doesn't do lead magnets or doesn't know about it, I'm sure they're now interested in it. So how do you even decide what kind of lead magnet you should you should create? Well, I think the most important thing with your lead magnet is it has to fit with your niche and your market. So obviously, you know, if I'm if I create organizational products, I don't want to have a lead magnet that has to do with, I don't know dog walking. (laughs) Not that you would do that, but you know, it has to make sense. So there has to be that connection so that when you are collecting these leads, these are qualified leads. These are people who are interested in what it is you're offering. 
So it needs to have some sort of relationship there. So, you know, a lot of our lead magnets like that organizational challenge, it fits under that, uh, you know, idea of organization. We have free packing lists for when you go on vacation. Again, so that's for people who are interested in learning how to be organized. Um, so you really want to make sure that when you're thinking about a lead magnet, you want to create something. And if, if you've not done a lead magnet before, start with something small. A real easy thing to do is to create a free download or to create, you know, a, a top 10 list or something like that, that your customers are really going to benefit from. And that that's the main thing is you want to create a benefit for those people who sign up. So they feel like I'm happy giving you my email address because I know I'm going to get something out of this. And then once you have these people signed up, you continue to give them, you know, different tips or different ideas or different, you know, things that that fit again with your mission. Mm, okay. So do you just create this lead magnet and just wait for people to show up or like how do you or do you promote it? Like tell us about 10,000 emails doesn't just come out of nowhere. People no. actually have to see <laughs> the lead magnet. So tell us about how you promote uh, the, the lead magnet. Um, well, I really one of our best vehicles is Facebook advertising which uh, if you know how to do your Facebook advertising right, you can really hone in and target on very specific demographics. So really one of the most important things is to honestly know who you're wanting to sell to. Who is your ideal customer? Um, and that goes into that whole realm of creating an avatar, um, which I'm sure you've probably talked about, but knowing who that client is and what are the places they might frequent on Facebook or Instagram and those kinds of things. And then creating a compelling ad. Um, I really think that um, when you're doing a Facebook ad, a lot of times it's smart to do a little bit of A-B testing. So, you know, we might try for the first couple of days two different images or two different headlines to see which one is resonating more with our ideal customer base. Uh, And then we'll go with that one in moving forward. Uh, But what we do is uh, Facebook ads are one of our our biggest vehicles because we find that... um, People are really willing to sign up as long as you have a good, compelling copy, uh, an eye-catching headline, a good call to action, and then if you have a picture that's going to catch their eye because they are scrolling through and keeping in mind that mobile is the most popular platform when people are on Facebook, uh, so you want it to look really good on mobile devices. When they're scrolling through, you want your image to be eye-catching so that they're actually going to stop and read the copy. Uh, it doesn't matter how great your lead magnet is uh, if you're not advertising and telling people mm-hmm. about it. It's just like your product. You can have the best product in the world, but if no one knows about it, you're not going to be successful. So um, really, marketing and advertising is such an important part of growing your business. You're not going to be able to get your business off the ground and really you know, make things work if no one knows about it. So what we did with uh, that challenge is not only did we do Facebook advertising, but we encouraged people on this challenge to find an accountability partner. So then they were sharing it with other people. We gave them graphics so then they could share it on their own social media feeds, like tell people that you're doing the challenge, you know, get excited about it. You give them tools so they get more excited about it, and then they are willing to share. And that's free advertising right there. When they are sending it out to their friends and they're posting it on social media themselves, you're not paying for any of that. So it's all about, again, you're creating it so it's to your customer's benefit. So they are really excited about sharing it with other people. So really word of mouth is really important and getting them the tools so that they can and that they will, um, you know, share the share the word, words with their friends. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I love that you use Facebook advertising not just to drive uh, visitors or drive uh, Facebook users to your site to buy something right away. You're driving them to mm-hmm. get something of value for free. And because people are much more willing, obviously, to give up their email address and they give up their credit card to buy something. And you also really stretch the investment that you've put into the Facebook ad, right? Because you're not just driving somebody to your site for a sale. You're driving them into your funnel, essentially, into your uh, collecting an email address. And now you can continually market to them for much, 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 you know, pretty much essentially free compared Mm -hmm. to running ads again, trying to get them to come to your site again. So I think that's, um, I've heard of people doing that, but I don't think anyone's ever spoken about doing it uh, in this way before where you have a lead magnet like uh, some kind of, um, you know, uh, I'm not sure you create like eBooks or guys, like what, 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 what uh, tends to work well for you? I mean, the challenge obviously <laughs> works really well. We were really happy with that result. Um, but we do a lot of uh, free one page downloads. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if somebody does one of the downloads, like we have a free packing list, we'll follow up in our sales funnel with giving them, hey, by the way, we also have a free packing list that's for beach vacations. So then we've kind of extended it so that there's more than just one packing list. So we're continuing to add value through our emails and creating, again, it's all about creating a relationship with your customers. Um, At the end of the day, what's most important to me is that I am helping people. And that um, even if they, they don't buy my planners, to be totally honest with you, it really is about effecting change for other people. So I, I get a lot of benefit out of that personally because that that's kind of what fills my heart personally. Mm. That's great. Uh, so with um, Facebook ads, you know, there's just so many different, I guess, levers you can pull. Uh, Right hand mm-hmm. side ads, news feed ads, Instagram uh, now through the face through Facebook ads. Um, do do you find that one of these platforms or one of these setups works the best for lead magnets? Uh, do you mm-hmm. you know like sticking with one, I guess, ad format versus the other? Yeah, I uh, for the most part, we find that the sidebar ads on Facebook um, don't work nearly as well. They don't get the attention. Um, and we've done a lot of research. As I mentioned, um, my husband, my business partner, he has his um, MBA with a marketing specialization. So um, we know a lot about marketing, nice. probably more than most small businesses. Um, we find that the uh, advertisements that we put in the newsfeed are by far the most beneficial uh, because people are already looking there. They're not really looking at the sidebar. They're looking at the newsfeed. So you really have to make sure when you're designing your ads and your copy and your headline that it fits that idea of it fitting in the newsfeed. So it doesn't seem too salesy or it doesn't seem, you know, clunky or or strange if people find this in between two posts from their friends. Uh, So that's definitely important to keep in mind. Um, Instagram is becoming easier to advertise on, um, especially now that you can choose, you know, to do a business profile and all that. Uh, but to be honest with you, from the research that we have done ourselves and, and looked up, um, we don't see that at this point, Instagram is not quite there with their algorithms and their um, their insights. Uh, we really think that Facebook is working much better at this point. Now, that could easily change because I do know that Instagram is um, a much bigger, more uh, market that's growing at a more rapid pace. Uh, but people on Instagram are not as primed to purchase or to give their email address the way that they are on Facebook for some mm-hmm. reason. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just my personal experience. But um, other people may have other experiences. But we've done a lot of research into it to see where we should really spend our marketing dollars. 
Mm, makes sense. Uh, so the the call to action, uh, and you know, there's different um, I guess options for the button that appears uh, with your ad, like learn more, sign up. Do you find a one specific call to action works better than the other? Um, yeah, I think it really depends on what it is. Uh, a lot of times we say, like for the you know uh, for the challenge, we'll say something like sign up here. Or, you know, get your free download. So if we're getting a download, if your button says get your free download here, nothing resonates more than free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely works. What we do is we have a call to action to get them to go to a landing page that has more information. Because you're limited on how much you can really put on Facebook. So on Facebook, they're going to click. And instead of bringing them straight away to signing up for their email address, we send them to a landing page that's going to have more information. Many times it has a video, maybe a welcome message for me, giving them a little bit of an overview if it's something like the challenge. Or it may show like a screenshot of what the download looks like. Um, and again, that's all part of creating that relationship. So then once they get to that landing page and they feel a little more comfortable, then they're more willing to sign up for your freebies. Mm, awesome. So once you have their information and their their email, what kind of I think you, you spoke on this a little bit, uh, but can you tell us a little bit more about what kind of emails you're sending to to them once they've uh, joined your email list? So we have a series of emails that we send out. It kind of depends on which you know lead magnet that they have signed up for, obviously. Um, like I said, with the free packing list, the next email might have the beach vacation packing list. And then I might have information about packing tips in the next email because I know these people are interested in travel. Um, so we kind of lead them through a series of um, emails where either they're getting a freebie or they're finding some sort of benefit from us. Either I'm giving them a two, you know, like a little two minute tip or, you know, I'm giving them ideas on how they could use these different items that they've downloaded Um, So again, I'm always adding value and creating a relationship, kind of like what I've said, um, because I want them to feel like, okay, every time I get an email from this company, I want to open up the email. We have a really high click rate, um, really high for our industry, because when we send out emails, we always make sure it is to our customer's benefit. We're Mm -hmm. not just sending out emails just to send out emails. I, I don't like it when um, I read all the time that companies say, oh, you should be sending out like three emails a week. No, I don't do that personally. Um, again, that fits that mission of mine that I don't want to overwhelm people with more stuff. I'm trying to help them streamline their lives. So uh, when I send out an email, it's usually some benefit you know, for the, for the customer. Either it's about a promotion or it's a freebie or it's a, you know, some sort of download or something to that effect. Yeah, I think this idea of making sure that you're benefiting the their subscribers is so important because a lot of times people will try to find ways like, you know, what's the best way to structure your subject line? Like what's the best way to write copy in your email to get people to open it and take action? But People open your email. People decide to open up your emails way before then. It's about all the other emails you sent them in the past too. Because once you start conditioning them into thinking that every time I get an email from Inkwell, it's always going to be an awesome action or very valuable uh, email. I'm going to continue to open them. It doesn't matter what the subject line says after that. So I think getting them into the habit of of looking out, looking for your emails, and being delighted when they see it is the key. And that starts you know way before the the subject line or the copy starts from the the very beginning the very first emails you send them mm-hmm. I think that's absolutely right because again it's all about relate creating that relationship and if I'm going to be a good friend to them then I'm not going to send them a bunch of junk mm-hmm. I'm really going to take advantage of the time that they have 
for sure. So can you give us an idea of how successful the, the business is today? Um, yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, we launched in November of 2014. Uh, we moved over to Shopify uh, because we needed more bandwidth uh, in July of last year. Uh, and in the past, since we've been on Shopify, we have made well over seven figures uh, for our sales revenue. So mm, awesome. we're really, really pleased with how, the, how that's going and how our customers continue to spread the the word about us. So we're really, really lucky. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so maybe in close on this, I think one of the things you mentioned uh, that, that you do is that you speak at events uh, with uh, two entrepreneurs about creating systems and organizing their business for success. Uh, so if you could maybe pinpoint one area that entrepreneurs should focus on to, or maybe every entrepreneur should to at least look towards to focus on to organize or create systems around, like what would that be for you? Like what would you say, where would you look first if you were working with an entrepreneur and wanted to dissect where they should spend their time to improve, I guess, the efficiency and productivity of their business? Well, I'm a really big fan of automations. I talk about automations, quite frankly, for personal life and for work life, uh, because I think automating things is really an important part of um, making your life easier. And by automations, I mean looking at your tasks that you do each week or each day even or each month and then setting on your planner or your calendar that, you know what, I'm going to do this one task on this day. So I know, I know that I do inventory on the third Thursday of every month. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to stress about it. I know it's going to get done on the third Thursday of the month. My employees know it gets done on the third Thursday of the month. Every Friday is Financial Friday. So every Friday we sit down, we go through our finances. That's the day that we really go deep in focusing on what needs to be done financially for our business. Uh, Mondays, we have Marketing Monday, and that's when we sit down and we work on creating our marketing plans. Or if we have like a big marketing plan, we have a marketing meeting on Monday. So each day for me kind of has a theme and different tasks that you do on a recurring basis, I just automate and plug in automatically. I'm a really big advocate for taking the thinking out of it. And I talk about this in the setup videos. I talk about it when I speak to entrepreneurs. Really, the more that you have to think about a task, the more time it takes you. Mm. So if you can automate and streamline it so you're not having to think about, oh my gosh, when's the last time I, you know, I went into QuickBooks? You know, or, oh gosh, I haven't done that in two weeks. Oh no, I haven't, you know, it's the same thing for at home. Oh, I haven't done the laundry in three weeks. I do the laundry on Tuesdays. Everyone in my family knows on Tuesday, everyone brings down their laundry. The kids know how to sort their laundry because I've automated them on that. <laughs> so systems can run a lot smoother and that will really help free up your time. It really is about banking up and finding these little tiny pockets of time that you can squirrel away because five minutes here, five minutes there eventually becomes an hour. And you know what you can spend that hour doing? Tackling that task mm. that you've been putting off because, you know, you've been overwhelmed by it. So, uh, yeah, I'm a really, really big believer in automating and taking as much of the thinking out of it so that you can just get your work done. I love it. Awesome. So thanks so much, Tanya. So inkwellpress.com, again, is the website. Anywhere else you recommend our listeners check out they want to follow along with what you're up to? Yeah, we're on Instagram. Our username is inkwellpress there. And also on Facebook, we're really active. Uh, I do offer Periscopes where I do different trainings. Sometimes I do business training. Sometimes it's just uh, organizational training and productivity and things like that. And I actually am right now working on creating a podcast myself oh, where nice. we'll be focusing on, uh, you know, 
multitasking and how that doesn't work and productivity and things like that. So I'll be coming out with that hopefully in the next couple of months. I've set a big goal for myself and I'm working backwards to, <laughs> to get it done. Very cool. Yeah. So if they sign up for your email list, will they, will they get all that, that information about the podcast and anything else you come out with? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's on, on the site and we'll link all that up in the show notes. Again, thanks so much for your time, Tanya. Thank you for having me. This was great. I really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm just excited to be able to help inspire some of the other you know, Shopify users and other entrepreneurs. So thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Shopify Masters, the e-commerce marketing podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs. To start your store today, visit shopify.com slash masters to claim your extended 30-day free trial.